You are listening to the Post-Atomic Horror Podcast with Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Episode 17, covering The Changeling and Mirror Mirror. Hey, here we are again. Back. On this? the post atomic horror thing. I thought you were gonna I thought you were bragging. The most atomic horror <laughs> It's the most atomic horror you can get for a dollar ninety five. Are we charging now? That would be that would be fantastic. Uh no. Actually that reminds me, that's one thing I wanted to bring up real quick. Um mm. we've we've had a fair amount of success on our on our other program, um, Sarcastic Voyage, selling uh, T shirts with the logo on it. Yes. Um both Matt and I would very much like shirts with the post-atomic horror logo on it, and because it's a badass logo, it is. And uh, also, I feel like uh, Vishal, who uh, who did that for absolutely no money, mm-hmm. uh, deserves a cut of some profits. So I was wondering, mm-hmm. are you guys interested in buying shirts with that logo on it? Uh, if we hear from enough of you, we will we will print up a batch. Yes. So please be know. interested in them. I want one. Yeah, I mean, we're gonna do like a couple of one-offs for us. But oh, I would well, like good. To, I would like to raise a couple of bucks for show expenses and to throw Vishal a few bucks for for doing us a, a great little logo there. So mm-hmm. so let us know if if I see some interest, then I'll definitely do it. The problem is the way I'm doing it now. I need like twelve shirts in a batch to make them reasonably priced. Yes. So, so twelve I, of you need to like them. Yeah, exactly. Or at least ten of you, and the, the other two can be for us. Yes. Anyway, enough of all that. Um. This is the week that I've been super excited about for for weeks and weeks. Looking over the the uh, the schedule, yes, I do not believe, at least for the original series, we will ever have a week where we have two excellent episodes just back to back like this. No, there may be better episodes individually, but uh, this is a hell of a one-two punch here. This was yeah, this was an incredible week for us. Yep. Uh, so let's let's jump into it. Uh, mine is first. Uh, it was the Changeling. It actually has nothing to do with uh, the changelings from DS9. That's a whole other thing. Yeah. This is a metaphor. (laughs) Uh, So the Enterprise discovers another star system that's been completely wiped of all human life. Another genocide, another day at the office, I guess. Seriously, this tends to happen a lot, doesn't it? They soon discover the cause, which is a tiny metal object roughly the size of... Well, they describe it in meters, and I'm American, so I don't know. It's quite small. Also, it can fire weapons with the power of a million billion photon torpedoes, which it does. Astoundingly, the Enterprise withstands this and returns fire. But that thing must be affiliated with Prince of Space because their weapons have no effect on it. Ha! Ah, ah, ah. Anyway. <laughs> After several rather uneven rounds of hostility, it occurs to Kirk that they might, be, they might try talking to the thing then ineffectually shooting at it. Then he wisely decides to beam the super-powerful genocide machine aboard the Enterprise because, hey, what could go wrong? What they beam aboard is Nomad, an old Earth space probe slash robot that creepily hovers around the Enterprise, making inquiries and being kind of an ass. Sort of like Tom Servo with less personality. (laughs) It kills Scotty, and yes, you heard me, it kills Scotty. Oh, but then it brings him back from the dead. Man, we sure knew how to build him back in the old Earth space program, didn't we? Or won't we at some point in our future? Oh, also it mind wipes Uhura. Yep, her entire personality and knowledge are gone, which is kind of a bummer. Meanwhile... Using research, logic, and a mind meld that has absolutely no business working with a robot, Spock works out that Nomad collided with an alien probe programmed to sterilize soil samples. So now it thinks it's supposed to sterilize the universe, I guess. Personally, I think Nomad collided with Star Trek The Motion Picture, because this plot sounds awfully familiar to me. (laughs) Nomad thinks Captain Kirk is its creator, 
who is actually Jackson Roy Kirk, the result of a tragic three-way collision between Jackson Public, Roy Orbison, and Kirk Cameron. <laughs> Using his newly bestowed powers of parental guilt, Kirk does what he does best and presents Nomad with a fatal logic puzzle. Then they promptly beam it back into space where it'll be no tribble at all. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this was a great one. This was one that I think you weren't entirely sold on being great. Like, I kept telling you, this week's going to be great. And you're like, well, yeah, mirror, mirror. No, 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 the changeling. And you're like, eh, okay. Well, I've never then, seen the changeling. Ah, see, I thought this was one of those that, like, one of those top ten ones that everyone had seen. No. And I kept saying, no, no, trust me, this one's great. Okay. Well, no, I just remember it from the compendiums where it's all like, yeah, yeah, they, they, they get a robot and it kills Scotty and it wipes her as memory. But no one yeah. cares because she'll be fine next week. No, it's, well, there is that. They do show her uh, re-education. Yeah, and they, that was actually not too terrible. Although it no, does it bring up the question of why we need Starfleet at all if you can train people in a week. Yeah. Um, I mean, we cut away and cut back and Nurse Chapel already had her learning to read. Yeah, and she was already speaking fluent Swahili. Which I guess is her native language. That was a thing I didn't quite get. I guess you, either they mentioned it in dialogue and I missed it, or maybe it was in one of the backstory things, but you, you set me straight on. I was always concerned because the minor characters never got much backstory at all. Mm. But in this, the extended universe, like the, the compendiums and the, the <laughs> novels and so forth. Everyone's done a million things forever. Sure. <laughs> but but it, was, it always bugged me, like, and they may have made this better, but at one point, Uhura's from Africa. Yeah. That's it. She's from the country of Africa. Yeah. And it's Before like, oh, she was in Starfleet, she used to bless the reins. Uh, I guess. <laughs> but it's like, uh, really? The black chick's from Africa, huh? Yep. She, she can't be an American. Nope. Or Canadian or like, uh, you, you know, anything. German. Yeah, no. Well, I mean, she has an accent. Like, she mm -hmm. has, she's obviously from North America. But no, she's from Africa. And, but now it turns out, okay, Africa united into one country, and like they tried a little bit, but that that's that concerned me a little. And at least, uh, at least Swahili's a real thing. She's yes. not just speaking African. <laughs> Africanese. Yes. Um, but now this is a great episode. There's a there's a lot of uh, really cool sort of unsettling practical effects. Yeah. Um, Nomad's nope. just this little like I don't know three or four feet high metal thing. Looks like a space probe. Yeah, but he's creepy as fuck. He floats around the ship, and it's all mostly just framed so that, like, there's a stagehand holding it out of the frame. Yep. But, I mean, it's simple puppeteering, but it's quite effective. It's yep. just this thing following you into the turbo lift, following you onto the bridge. Yelling at you. Yes. <laughs> unclean. Unclean. <laughs> you are imperfect. Da. It's, um, but, I mean, it's, it's one of those, uh, and I mention these a lot, it's mm -hmm. one of those standard cookie cutter star trek plots but this is the first and best time they did it so yep. it's not a cliche yet wait wait till the motion picture yeah the motion picture is pretty much this only with an hour of padding mm -hmm. most and of I which like, is shots of the ship you know i like the motion picture we'll get into that when we do the movies yeah i i don't hate it i don't think it's great it's definitely the least like apart from five it's it's the least great of the movies but um i don't think it's bad i think five is bad mm -hmm. i think motion picture is just boring but uh, that, that's neither here nor there. What, let's let's talk about this actual episode. Yes. There's there's um there's that sense of tension like that we've talked about before in a lot of those episodes where it's mostly on the Enterprise. Um, yeah. Where uh, like the Corbin might maneuver or like um the one where they're chasing the Romulans around. Mm -hmm. Help uh, me out here. I don't remember. <laughs> uh, the chasing the Romulans maneuver. <laughs> yeah, fake Sarek. You know. Oh, that. balance of terror. That's the one. Where where it's obvious they're trying to cut budget a little by not going on location, and they're mm -hmm. just shooting mostly, I think they call those bottle shows or something yes. like that. Yes, yeah, they, that's right. 
they just shoot you know on the on the sets mm-hmm. which is fine if you write a good episode and this this is definitely one of them yes um if the resurrection of scotty was actually handled quite well it's i glossed over it as a joke but uh, yeah it was kind of creepy it was like <laughs> he killed him and then he brought him back doctor would you please uh explain this i have to go away <laughs> i what uh, happened I was i unconscious yes unconscious did you see a bright light or, or anything like that that was the strangest thing i thought i heard my mother calling me <laughs> i saw simon Pegg. i don't understand that one at all <laughs> oh, people just kept oh. handing me scotch <laughs> it was beautiful then i saw the future and i was so fat send me back please for the love of god I'm not going back there, Jim. <laughs> Don't call me Jim. <laughs> That's in the other one. Um, <laughs> no, it's just, it's it sounds like to describe it, like I tried to milk it for jokes there, but to describe it straight, it sounds kind of boring. Mm-hmm. It sounds kind of standard and whatever, but the writing is pretty sharp. There's a lot of good character stuff. There's a lot of nice little moments. There's um, a lot of tension. Mm-hmm. And this thing is fucking scary. It it really is. I, I love it because you, you just get this sense from the crew that this thing is incredibly dangerous and absolutely psychotic. Yep. Well, you, you pointed out uh, sort of half-jokingly that uh, this is this is uh, the original crew's version of the Daleks. Oh, yeah. It's very Dalek-y. It is. And, and in that good sense. In yeah. the sense of uh, it's relentless. It, it You can't reason with it. It is just going to come and destroy you and that's it. Yeah. It doesn't matter if you, you know, you want to try to talk it out of it, mm-hmm. but just not a chance. fucking wiping out crew members as it goes yeah. along. But although then, they do then, keep shooting at it, which is not a great decision. No, every time it wiped out, although typically uh, two red shirts would, would come and, and aim a phaser at it, shoot a phaser at it, uh, the phaser would be blocked, and then it would wipe them both out. Mm-hmm. I always felt bad for the second guy. Yep. Who was supposed to be covering him or something. He, well, he didn't do anything. Well, what did I do? Yeah. Hey. Oh, I guess I'm dead now. Yep. Hey, Scotty. So, yeah. oh, I'm just on my way back out. Say hi to I my think, mom uh, for me. <laughs> I think um, I think that's where Scotty really earns his red shirt, though. Yeah. We always we always figured, okay, well, well, Scotty's the exception. Yes. Red shirts are disposable. That's 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 in mainstream pop culture lexicon. Even if you haven't seen a single episode of Star Trek, red shirts are expendable. Mm-hmm. And uh, Scotty's no exception. He's dead. Yep. But now he's not. So, yeah. The next episode so the- was the search for Scotty. <laughs> Nobody looked very hard. <laughs> Aren't we going to the Genesis planet? No, shut up. Go back to work. <laughs> oh, Ugh. nobody likes me. You would have done it for Welshie. <laughs> Welshie! It's, it's quite difficult for Matt and I to watch a Star Trek episode where Scotty gets zapped by something and not scream Welshie. And he keeps getting zapped by stuff. Yep. And, Fucking uh, Nomad knocked that... him flying over the balcony in this one. I'm like, this guy needs to start getting frequent flyer miles for the amount of time he spends in the air. Yeah, and uh, and Apollo did the same thing to him last week. Yeah. Just uh, like with twice. actual lightning bolts. Yeah. Nuts. So, yeah. Uh, great episode, though, like I say. Yes. Just, uh, just, just really good character stuff. Um, we'll, when we get to my quote, we'll uh, you'll hear one of the more goofy things. But it was actually pretty clever. Like, yep. just... Um, Kirk uh, being being goofy. Um, Kirk, there's kind of a runner through the thing because it thinks Kirk's its creator. That's mm-hmm. that's pretty much the only reason it doesn't wipe everyone out. But Kirk kept, keeps saying it thinks it's I'm its mother, <laughs> which I think is good. I like when Kirk has a sense of humor. Yeah, I like when he's not all business. When and he's not all 
you know, shooting things or getting laid. Yeah, and I mean, Shatner can pull that off occasionally, too. He can. He has good comedic instincts for all my, for all his faults as an actor. He does mm-hmm. have decent comedic timing and good chemistry with, with uh, Nimoy and, and uh, Kelly, which is why, you know, which is why those three work so well. Yeah, exactly. Um, and they all have good stuff to do. Like I said in my summary, I didn't really get that Spock could meld with it, but Yeah, fine. that doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but whatever. But it was good from a sense of um, piecing the mystery together that he had to do a little of everything. Mm-hmm. Like, he had to do some actual research in the computer, he had to talk to the thing, he had to meld with it. Like, each thing only gave him a little bit more information. It wasn't just one magic bullet, which yeah. was kind of cool. Um, and then at the end, uh, Kirk does his usual, you know, well, I put it to you. Oh, here we go. Yeah. No, this was this was easily the best example of him uh, causing a, a computer to explode with logic. Yeah, that was really cool. Just, so let me get this straight. You can You must destroy things that are imperfect. That's right. Okay, well, get this, check this shit out. <laughs> you think I'm your creator. Yes, I don't see where this is going, but I'm going to uh, go on. I'm a human, and I am imperfect, so that's one mistake. Okay, okay, I can deal with this. I'm okay. not actually your creator. That's two mistakes. Shit! Fuck! That makes you imperfect. That's three mistakes. Damn! Like, it's just like one of those escalating things where you, you just get more stuck. <laughs> It's like it's like watching a really good courtroom drama and and like a great summing up argument and you're just like fuck I can't get out of this this is like I have completely fallen into this logic puzzle <laughs> I've run rings around you logically <laughs> <laughs> oh Christ so yeah I I really enjoy this is probably in my top ten overall this is yeah this, this is, a, is great a great episode, episode. um. And that's that's all I have to say, unless you have anything else on this one. Uh, I think that's it for uh, The Changeling. All right. Then move on to uh, one of the most well-known and arguably the best single best episode of the whole fucking series. Mm-hmm. Mirror, mirror. Mirror, mirror. Okay. Kirk, Bones, Scotty, and Ahura are on a diplomatic mission to Wulcan, really, <laughs> in, an eff- in an effort to buy dilithium crystals from the peace-loving hippies who live there. <clears throat> Excuse me. As they beam back to the Enterprise, they pass through some bad weather and are accidentally sent to the infamous Mirror Universe. Here, the Federation is an empire. The crew carry knives. Spock has a beard. Water runs uphill and hamburgers eat people. Our crew quickly adapts and begins working on a way home. Turns out that the Mirror Enterprise is also dealing with the Vulcans in a much more straightforward way. They are going to kill them all. Uhura arrives on the bridge to find evil Sulu, played by a Takei who is clearly enjoying himself, (laughs) and his extremely evil Scar attempting to seduce her. Kirk arrives and stalls the attack on Vulcan. When he leaves, Chekhov follows and attempts a coup. Kirk is saved by his own loyal henchman, and Chekhov is sent to the Agony Booth, a device the real Enterprise needs very badly for (laughs) Chekhov. Our crew reconvene in Kirk's quarters, and after checking out the new mail computer, work on a way to return to their own universe. This, of course, involves Scotty dicking around with the engines. Meanwhile, in our universe, Spock and a pair of security guards drag the hysterical Mirror Kirk to the brig along with the rest of the Mirror crew, so that was pretty easy. Meanwhile, back in the Mirror universe, Mir Spock speaks of his Mir preference for Kirk as Mir captain. <laughs> Mir Spock wants, wants neither Kirk's command nor the dangers of the overzealous crewmen that come with it, and mentions that he is glad that Chekhov did not kill him. That while he's glad Chekhov didn't kill him, Spock's under orders to do it himself if Kirk will not kill the Vulcans. Or, excuse me, the Vulcans! <sighs> Kirk asks if Spock agrees that the Vulcans should be destroyed, and Spock responds with the rather badass line, Terror must be maintained or the Empire is doomed. It is the logic of history. 
While Scotty and Bones break into engineering to prepare the ship for the trip home, Kirk returns to his quarters to meet with Marlena. Marlena is Mere Kirk's mere concubine, and she speaks of his many, many plans to overthrow the Mere Empire. She also shows Kirk the Tantalus Field, the device that can kill anyone ever. After Marlene leaves, presumably to oil her traps in one of the most disgusting lines I've ever heard in Star Trek, before she nails Kirk, Kirk calls Scotty, who explains that they only have about half an hour to return to their own universe. Kirk prepares to leave when Marlena returns, and when Kirk explains that he has to go, she threatens to leave and begin fucking her way around the Empire. Kirk kisses her, showing the old Shatner charm, and then leaves. He arrives at the transporter room and is met by Mir Spock, who takes him to Mir Sickbay, where the rest of the crew is, of our crew is waiting. They all attack Mir Spock, who is eventually walloped over the head with a Mir skull. Bones, begin, be, Bones, being awesome, refuses to let him die and sends the rest of the crew ahead. Mir Sulu arrives to kill them all and take over the ship, but Marlena sends his security team to the cornfield with the Tantalus field. Mir Spock regains consciousness and mind melds with McCoy. He learns the truth and sends bo and brings Bones to the transporter room where they rendezvous with the rest of the or with the rest of the crew. Kirk begs Mir Spock to overthrow Mir Kirk and change the Mir Empire. Spock says he'll think it over, which I'm sure will work out just fine for everyone ever. As we see when they follow up with this in about a hundred years on uh, DS9. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, this is one of those uh, classics that totally deserves to be a classic. Yeah, it's this is it's awesome. The first uh, evil twin, like, you know, alternate universe, everything's crazy and backwards and evil. Mm -hmm. uh, one thing, Matt, uh, it's the Hulkins. Not oh, the really? Yes. Wow, I totally misheard that. <laughs> I mean, it was a good bit, and I didn't want to spoil your joke, but it... No, uh, I'll wait until the end for this one. Yeah, it was the Hulkins. The Hulkins. Yes. The yes, because that's there. much better. No, it's it's... But, you know, it's not, it, it doesn't invoke Chekhov is the important point. <laughs> Which you're quite correct to say he totally deserved the fucking uh, agonizer. Oh, God. I like that there are portable agonizers for, like, um... For just day-to-day screw-ups. Yeah, for your, for your, uh, for your torture on the go. Uh, but then, uh, for the serious torturer... Yeah. The serious-minded career torturer... <laughs> they've got There's this, the agony booth. It's a phone booth that you stick a guy in. <laughs> and then just turn the dial and listen to him scream. <laughs> This is one of those things that we've heard for years that 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 um, Koenig, Walter Koenig, who plays Chekhov, is a great screamer. Mm -hmm. uh, they liked putting him in direct physical danger because uh, he, he screams so well. And this is, I guess, the first of many occurrences of that. Yes, that's the reason they liked putting him in direct physical danger. <laughs> well, that's what they said. I mean, you know, and, he, and he is a pretty good, uh, he is pretty good at, uh, you know, but come on, that's not hard. <laughs> I wish someone would stop torturing me. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> no, me neither. Ever. Um, so, and we also get the, uh, the very first appearance of Evil Guy Has Beard. The, yeah, and this is one of those, I mentioned this in an earlier episode and I cut my little rant because I figured we should wait and talk about it here. Mm. This is one of those things where everyone says all evil twins have a beard ever. No, it's just Spock. Yeah. It's, it's just. The only time it's ever happened. It's just that really sticks, that really sticks out. No, and I like it in parody. Mm -hmm. Like, I like it when South Park made Evil Cartman have beards. Yep. Or, like, Evil Cartman and then all the other kids have beards. Yep. Uh, Cartman only had the one, I think. Um, <laughs> thousands upon thousands of beards. Well, he's got a lot of chins. Oh, so I know. He could he could have more beards. But, but no, I mean, it, in that setting, it's fine. But people act like it's a cliche. Like, mm -hmm. it's something that's been done and done and done. It was just the one time. Yeah. But uh, that, that's just one of those things that bugs me, and it shouldn't bug me because I make fun of people that get bugged mm -hmm. by things like that. So no, no it it just shows you know one of the ways Star Trek's had effect over an effect over people who've never even seen it. Well, I mean, Kirk or uh, Spock looks 
you know, it, he looks more evil. Like, it works as, yeah. as visual shorthand because the whole thing in the beginning in the cage was uh, get rid of that Satan-looking guy. Mm. And they gave him a pointy Satan beard, which did make him look ten times more sinister with yep. the uh, the upswept eyebrows and the pointed ears and the, the, the sort of harsh body language. He definitely looked way more evil. It worked. Also, towards the end, he tries to buy uh, McCoy's soul, which was kind of an odd choice, but whatever. <laughs> Damn it, I forgot my fiddle in the other universe. <laughs> I've been waiting years to do this with you, Spock. <laughs> we got a three-piece band with your Vulcan harp and uh, Uhura singing and my fiddle. Uh, no, I, uh, I it was interesting. You mentioned, uh, do we do we see? Because like, it had been a while, I guess, since you'd seen this one. Um, do we see the other guys? Like, Do we see the evil crew? And I said, yep, it's a quick little... Uh, the quick little comedy thing. I wonder what our counterparts are doing right now. And there's an actual literal flip around like they do on the Brady Bunch. And they and you see Kurt, you know, I'm Captain Kurt. You know, that whole thing. And Spock just going, uh-huh. And then back to the other universe again. I just love that there's all this, they have to do all this subterfuge and stuff because it's, you know, normal people in a completely insane universe. The completely insane people in the normal universe stick out like sore thumbs. Oh, and Spock milked that really well. Mm-hmm. He's, and and I believe that's your quote, so I won't I won't yes completely spoil this. But he he gets some nice uh, anti-human digs, <laughs> which is good. Um, but no, I mean this is fucking awesome. It's awesome to see characters that by this point you've gotten to know and and like and trust as as wholesome, you know, um, uh, morally upstanding characters. See them chew the scenery a little bit. See them just be badasses. Yep. I mean, uh, you mentioned Takei. He. He's apart from Spock was the one I bought the most. Yeah, in the evil universe, he loved. You could tell he was having a fucking grand old time, mm-hmm. like uh, trying to sleep with Uhura, trying to you know, like just all that stuff. I'm the most evil person you could possibly find. Look at my evil fencing scar that I got at <laughs> evil fencing school. I got this in evil the naked time. <laughs> <laughs> There was a great bit of the first really strong bit of Star Trek continuity. Like, that, they're starting to do callbacks now. Mm-hmm. Like, in season two. We've mentioned this before. But the the great thing, when he's going through Evil Kirk's uh, service record, uh, he gets his command by assassinating Christopher Pike. Yep. Um, there were a couple other times where he went and saved a colony, and in this universe he destroyed a colony. Like, they went through his whole, what we've seen him do in season one, only if an evil guy were doing it. And it was, yeah. it was just a nice, like, ooh, I remember that. I remember that. Yeah, it's really, really cool. And for the first time, we really get a solid sense of they're really paying attention now, and they're they're tracking week to week what's going on. And it's still not perfect. Like, there's mm-hmm. still going to be inconsistencies. But overall, you can tell they're trying to build a bigger uh, a bigger playground, which is which is great for us. Yeah. And the the special effect touches in this really like when they when they redid it, um, I was watching and I noticed they actually changed the Enterprise and the uh, in the yeah you, uh, you pointed that out to me. I usually like I look at the ship shots and I like them, but I don't pay that close attention. But yeah, you're right. It had like uh, yeah the nacelles had like little points on the front, and you know practically that probably does nothing. Yeah, like there's no scientific reason for it, but pointy means evil. Yeah. It's a nice little <laughs> subtle visual cue. No, those are important. We use them to poke out our enemy's eyes. <laughs> it's how we won- it's how we defeated the Klingon Empire. Look, two weeks ago when uh, when that giant hand reached out from space, <laughs> there was nothing it could do to us. No, those points really came in handy. So <laughs> don't talk 
talk to me about those. That was a really quick episode. The hand just reaches out, grabs the shit, get, grabs the shit, goes, ah, motherfuck, and then it's over. <laughs> yep. There's like globs of blood floating in space as the Enterprise <laughs> flies off into the distance. I do. It's interesting. We we both write these uh, these descriptions up beforehand, and I, I have yours in front of me here, and I'm looking. And you've injected the word mirror as you're reading into every single sentence. <laughs> it works. I think it's funny, but uh, it's. Uh, I, I think I don't think people really needed the clarification. I think I disagree. Little, I think this will come in really handy for people. Uh, very well. <laughs> now it's and and the mirror universe is one of those awesome. Um, uh, setups mm-hmm. that they didn't come back to for years. Like they, they wrote a couple of books here and there and all that. Yeah. But next gen didn't touch it. The movies didn't touch it. It took until I think like season two or three of deep space nine for them yeah. to say, okay, now we're out of their shadow. We can start playing in their stuff a little more. And, uh... and, and DS and the mirror universe was the sort of one, like, uh, sort of Trek thing that, that, they did really well, you know, yeah, like and they so did so many other shows have ripped it off since. And I, yeah, I, it ripped off is a harsh word because they didn't make this idea up, mm. but they definitely popularized it. Oh yeah. Like there's a, there's a Buffy episode where they go to an evil universe where, where uh, there's no Buffy and the vampires have taken over Sunnydale. And, yep. and there's, a, there's a lot of shows that have done similar things. And again, I, I'm positive Star Trek did not invent the evil par- parallel universe thing. No, in fact, it was based on a short story, I think, that I can't find right now, but I was well, reading but, that in the uh, the notes for the episode. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I'm, like I say, I'm sure they didn't make it up, but this is the first sort of shining pop culture example of this. Like, yeah. People, you know, now, it's it's so strange to think in 2011, people now, oh yeah, alternate universes, like, my mom knows what that means. Yeah. But in 1960. Eight, I guess, when this aired, uh, no one would... Par- what? Parallel universe? What do you what the mean there's more that? than one universe? That's what That's universe a... means. There's only one. Yeah. And it's so, full yeah. of evil people. <laughs> which, which you know, awesome. Yep. Um, the, the only thing... Like, I saw a fair amount of Enterprise. I saw the first season and a half, and then I checked back in every now and then. I never liked it. Yeah. But the one... And I, I watched their Mirror Universe episode, which I heard was particularly good. Like, okay, mm-hmm. fine. Because how can you fuck up the Mary Universe? I'll watch it. Well, they did. Mm-hmm. But, but one thing I will give them credit for that they did really well that I kind of wish they'd gone back and done here, but uh, it, it, never mind. They shouldn't have changed anything. Um, when when they established in their teaser that they were in the Mary Universe, they did uh, an alternate credit sequence. Um, the credit sequence for Enterprise had that awful, awful song. Oh God, yeah. Oh, it's the only the only Star Trek show that had uh, vocals, and it was just terrible. Um, but it, it showed like the history of the Enterprise. It showed mm. like like uh, the sailing ship, and then the uh, the aircraft carrier, and then the space shuttle. And it's an idea. It's a nice idea for a montage. Yeah, like exploration coming up through the years. The name Enterprise, blah blah blah. In the alternate one, they had a nice uh, montage of the evil universe. Oh, nice. Where you would see, like, the ship firing its cannons. You would see, like, the carrier, like, launching planes at somebody. You would see, yeah. like, the space shuttle launching a, a defense satellite. Or, you know, just, like, it was the same, only different. And, and that was one of the few clever things I'd ever seen that show do. And I yeah. thought it was kind of cool. But overall, not so much. Mm. Yeah. Uh, Deep Space Nine, like, did some good episodes in it. They, they did a lot of fun stuff. And we'll get to that when we get to that series in a few yep. years. But um, I think they came back to the well too many times. That is true. I think it was fun, but then they ended up doing, like, one a year. Yeah. Whereas one of the reasons this is so great is because it's such a 
such a deep concept and it's got so much potential and they didn't blow it off. There's yeah. still a lot there you're wondering about. Well, what is this like? What is this like? It still it leaves you wondering. It leaves you wanting more. Well, I mean, yeah, there's like when you start getting into the sort of sort of the history of it, you you, you just want to learn more and more about it. You know, yeah. it's just, well, how did this go? What happened here? Yeah, what wouldn't really what you want to know is where the divergence point was. Yeah, what happened where we were the same and then things split off. And I've I've read a few different. I don't know which one's canon because I've read so many books and so many other things set in the mirror universe. I don't yeah. know which one is real. Um. But uh, some people, like, try to tie it back to, like, the Khan thing. Like, the, the eugenics war was successful. Mm-hmm. And Damn it, Khan. Khan actually ruled the world for a while. And then, uh, you know, things went evil from there. I don't I don't know. It doesn't matter. <laughs> he ruled the world until he grew too fatigued. <laughs> <laughs> and then we went into space. Yes. Um, there is a great thing that we both... we I think either we've read the same story or similar stories that picked up the same thread. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the, the very end, uh, Spock says... Uh, you know, Kirk makes this impassioned speech about changing everything. Yeah. And Spock says, uh, I will consider it. And when we come back to it, everything's the same. And Spock's like, well, I just said I'd consider it. Yeah. Spock, you, you said you'd change things. You th- said you'd make them better. No, I said I'd think about it. Look, that's not what I said. Check the transcript. You jerk. What, what I said was, yeah, all right, I'll give it some thought. <laughs> Look, I just wanted you to leave. <laughs> I would have said anything to get you out of there. Which is which is great, and um, and then then there's the I guess official canon thing in DS9 where we come back and humans are enslaved by other races because Spock changed things and and we were ill prepared to handle uh, fighting like Klingons and Cardassians. I think it was yeah, which is another great interpretation. I think thanks Spock. Maybe they need to be evil. Yep. There's actually I I will very rarely say this. Uh, Chekhov had one of the great lines. Uh, and it's not even that great. I just like how sort of campy and, and scene, scenery chewery it is. Mm-hmm. Where he's like, so I kill you, and we all move up in rank. <laughs> it's just one of those like comic book supervillain things to say, but I just it, it was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed that line. Um, Sulu and I are going to for- form the League of Evil. <laughs> yes, you and I. You know I'm straight in this universe, right? We're clear on that. Yes, I know. <laughs> Leave me alone. There's you pointed out in your uh, in your summary that uh, Bones had some some great moments. Um, there's a bit where they've they've clobbered Evil Spock and they're about yep. to run off. And Bones' responsibility as a doctor is like, no, we hurt this guy; he could die. I am still, I do still have the Hippocratic oath. It doesn't matter mm-hmm. that he's evil. It doesn't matter. You know, I got to fix this guy. And that was it's so fucking classy, so yep. just classic Bones and. One of the many reminders that the... Why he's awesome. Why we like him. Yes. I, I was briefly considering, we do our in the future thing, and that's a fun running gag. I almost considered, every week we have some superlative example of why we love Bones. I almost considered making that our running <laughs> thing. Bones, awesome scene of the week. Because <laughs> I bet we could do, we could do that up until the pilot for next gen. Yeah. Where he has really an awesome could. scene. Uh, but no, we, we should... Uh... We just won't give it a segment. Yeah, but we'll, we'll continue to point it out because the guy is great. Yes. Uh, anything else on this one? I mean, we could we could do we could do hours on this one. Yes. But really, I mean, is there anything else important? I, I think that's it for this one. All right. Uh, let's move on to uh, in in the in, future. In the future. Future. Uh, for the changeling. In the future, space, which we presently think of as being quite vast and empty, will be so choked with probes, ships, and other assorted vessels that they'll constantly be crashing into one another and combining missions. <laughs> which actually sounds less, which is actually less sexy than it sounds. 
I I love that. First of all, <laughs> Nomad just happens to collide with an alien probe. That's what makes him crazy and evil. Just because then, space is so tiny and they, oops, I crashed into Yeah, it. people are tripping over each other all the time. And then the Enterprise just happens to crash into him. Well, no, they were investigating a, you know, a dead well, colony. Yes. Like they still, were trying to find it. But, but yeah, still, I, I think space, space is kind of big. Yeah, you might think it's a long way down the street to the chemist, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, for uh, Mirror Mirror. All right. In the alternate future, the only surefire way to get the best out of your crew is a quick spin in the agony booth. But only if you're Chekhov. Yes. Um, (laughs) We like everyone else. Yeah, exactly. Oh, please, Um, not again. I've already been in six times this week, and it's only Tuesday. You deserve agony. (laughs) You are Chekhov. Um, As it turns out... I'm sorry, Chekhov. What was that that was from Russia originally? (laughs) I can't hear you over your screams. I was merely pointing out that ah! <laughs> uh, so as it turns out, our both of our quotes of the week are from the uh, the last uh, laugh on the bridge. Ah, yes, just because that that's usually where the gold is. And uh, mine is is Kirk uh, talking about the, the probe that thought it was uh, he was its mother. Besides, what are you feeling so badly about? It's not easy to lose a bright and promising son, sir. Well, it thought I was its mother, didn't it? You think I'm completely without feelings, Mr. Spark? You saw what it did for Scotty. What a doctor it would have made. My son, the doctor. <laughs> so there's that. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, it's 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 great. <laughs> um, but again, you, you know, both, we we seem to keep taking our quotes from like, well, there were some pretty good one-liners here and there, but the the, the best comedy is always right at the end. And yep. uh, you you've done the same. Yeah, mine is uh, Spock's reaction to the completely insane uh, mirror crew members from the mirror universe. Mirror. I always thought Spock was a bit of a pirate at heart. Indeed, gentlemen. May I point out that I had an opportunity to observe your counterparts here quite closely. They were brutal, savage, unprincipled, uncivilized, treacherous, in every way, splendid examples of Homo sapiens, the very flower of humanity. I found them quite refreshing. I'm not sure, but I think we've been insulted. I'm sure. Would you stop saying mirror? No. Very well. All right, uh, we we have one piece of mail here. It's actually a, a voicemail. Uh, which we will get to presently. Hey, post-atomic horror. Uh, this is Adrian. Um, happy New Year to all. Happy Season 2 to you. And um, just had a quick uh, comment. I was listening to the first episode of this season, and uh, you guys mentioned the main theme uh, being sung by an opera singer. That is actually incorrect. That is a ceremony. Uh... I had always thought it was an opera singer for years and years and years. I thought it was just some lady going, you know, crazy. It is not. It is a theremin. I um, I don't remember what book I read it in. Yeah, they, were, uh, they brought up a theremin. They're like, like at the beginning of Star Trek? And I said, when, when was that? And uh, I looked it up, and lo and behold, it was a theremin all along. So didn't mean to rain on the parade. I'm just as brokenhearted as you are. Um but uh, if you would like to imagine that it's an opera singer, I think we would all feel just completely okay with it. Uh, just thought I'd let you know that. 
And that's about all I know about the original series. So take care and have a good goodbye. Well, thanks for that, Adrian. I, I do actually generally enjoy um, knowing things. Mm-hmm. So, uh, no, it doesn't it doesn't disappoint me at all. In fact, I'm more impressed. Yeah, that doesn't sound like any... That sounds like a chick wailing her lungs out. It does. And I what I thought you were going to say was that that was Nichelle Nichols, because there is apparently a version of her singing lyrics the ridiculous lyrics well wherever the wherever they go they are known as the couple <laughs> i mean as as uh, better comedians than we have pointed out uh many many uh tv show instrumental theme songs have lyrics and they are never good and star trek is no exception uh but no i actually he's um of theremin which i mean you know 50 points for sci-fi cred first of mm-hmm. all because yeah you don't get much more science fiction than a theremin right at least and, until the development of the laser harp. <laughs> Listen, not uh, not everyone can rock the laser harp. That is mm-hmm. uh, that is the exclusive domain of that guy that I don't remember his that name. That guy right that now. rocks the laser harp. Yeah. Um, Foghat, I think his name is. Um, <laughs> Jeremy Foghat. <laughs> but no, I mean, if, if a theremin, not only you know does it get it points for, uh, for sci-fi cred, but also if it can so effectively mock the sound of a human voice. Mm-hmm. I mean, theremins are apparently very hard to play. They're very hard to get good actual music out of. Like, that's why you mostly just hear them going woo, woo, woo. <laughs> and not actually hitting notes, because apparently they're quite difficult to, to navigate. So mm-hmm. if they manage to do that and, and create notes that fit in that song, then uh, damn. Good for you. Yeah. And that's music of the future. I mean, uh, yep. those may have fallen out of fashion now, but they're coming back. Oh, yeah. Your kids are going to love it. <laughs> all right. That's all for us for this week. Uh there's a lot more great episodes coming up, uh, but again, we're probably never going to have this great combination again. Yeah. That makes me a little sad, but uh, I know. only a little. <sighs> so tell us what you think about the, about the shirt idea. Um, yeah. Keep sending letters. We'll get to them when we can, and uh, that's all. We'll be back next week. See you, folks. Mayor. The Post-Atomic Horror Podcast is published weekly and is available via iTunes or on the web at postatomichorror.com. This program is a co-production of Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham, and all original material contained herein is their intellectual property unless otherwise noted. All clips and references from Star Trek and related media are used without permission from CBS, Viacom, and or Paramount Pictures. Fair use is assumed for the purposes of review and parody, and the aforementioned co-producers do not receive any form of profit for this effort. Listener feedback can be sent to podcast at postatomichorror.com. An on-air response is guaranteed. 